0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, good morning, New Song Church. How's everybody doing? Great. Good. Good to see you this morning. We're so glad to have you with us. And uh, we are continuing our series, You Asked For, today, and we are going to be talking about sex. Everybody say sex. Sex. Now, this is one of those topics that can feel a little awkward, right? But we're going to make it not awkward today. In fact, we really want to open this up today and, and, make you, and help you to understand what God has to say about sex, what the Bible says about sex, so you can see what a gift it is that God has given us. And to do this, I have the lovely Sarah Blunt with me this morning because she can speak to some things that I just, quite frankly, don't want to even try to speak to and, and vice versa. Uh, so I want you to feel comfortable this morning. I know this is a subject can feel a little weird, can feel, but we're, we're going to make it comfortable. And here's one of the ways we're going to do it. Turn to the person beside you and say, we're going to talk about sex. There you go. Let's get comfortable. Let's get loose, okay? Get yourself loose. You, got, you should have some caffeine in you. We're going to have a big old time this morning. Before we jump into the message, though, uh, a couple of announcements. Sarah, why don't you talk about On point?
1: His conference is coming up. You guys saw the video. Um, this is the first time today that we are selling his conference tickets here at church. If you don't know, His is the name of our women's ministry here at New Song Church because we are His heart, His hands, and His daughters. And so we're having our very first conference, and it's going to be amazing. We've had some different women's events. They've always been awesome. We really felt like God put it on our heart to do a conference and to uh, bring people in from uh, just around this area, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Dallas, invite a bunch of girls to come and worship and chase after God with us. We've got three guest speakers all be sharing one night. And then we've got Jess Connolly coming. She's a best-selling author of the book Wild and Free. She's getting ready to release her next book. And we've got Elaine Fisher, one of our friends from Gateway Church, is going to be speaking. So if you haven't got your ticket, I want to encourage you to do so today. We're going to be set up right here after service on this side of the auditorium. So be sure to stop by. You can get your ticket, and you can also get a really pretty brochure. If you got one brochure and and you are thinking of girls you'd like to invite, go over there and get a handful and hand them out. We've got tons of those. Um, so, so pick up a brochure, pick up your ticket and we hope to see you there with us November 3rd and 4th, it's going to be awesome
0: and talk a little bit about the fluff stuff you sent in for service, because I thought that was really good
1: Okay, so I've been to a lot of women's conferences and if you've ever been, you know that there's a lot of fluff you have to get through um, to get to the message and to the worship which is really, you know, that's why we're all coming, we want to hear from God, we want to worship we want to encounter Him, and so it's my heart to kind of compact this down, instead of doing two full days and there's all this fluff in between, it's Friday night and it's saturday there's two sessions saturday's mor- saturday morning and my heart is to cut through the fluff because that's not really what, what we're there for we're going to have fun we're going to seek god and we're going to worship and hear from him so yeah and
0: it's 59 dollars,
1: which um, is really ticket,
0: really good price for a conference for like this
1: conference. we want and to so, make it affordable yeah,
0: yeah so what i would encourage you to do ladies is we talk about this at new song we don't want to just be inviters we want to be bringers So I want to encourage you to invite some girls in your circle of influence, absolutely invite them, but also pray and ask God to put somebody on your heart to bring. And when I talk about bring, I'm talking about actually possibly looking at purchasing them a ticket and and helping them get there. Because I promise you, if $59 could change somebody's view of Jesus, uh, open somebody up, bring, bring a person to a new level of freedom, isn't that well worth it? Isn't that well worth it? Uh, to impact somebody's life for eternity for $59 is an amazing thing. So let's, let's be bringers, all right? So we're going to talk about sex this morning, and we're going to try to answer some of the questions in, in this You ask For It series that we're in right now, uh, answer some of the questions that came in about sex, about relationships, about how we uh, have good, godly sex in our marriages, in our lives. Now, in order for us to do this, I have to say something up front, and it is this. And Actually, it's a question. And that is, what is your authority in life? What is your standard for authority? What is your standard for truth? And let me tell you what it should be. As a Christian, your standard for truth and and the authority that you live your life under is the authority of the Bible, the Word of God, right? That's what we base our life on. Now, when it comes to a subject like sex, the Bible doesn't necessarily always agree with what the world has to say about sex. Big time doesn't agree. But what we do is we submit ourselves to God's Word and to what it has to say when it comes to these kind of subjects. And if we can't do that, then it's gonna, you're going to have a hard time with today's message. But what we believe is God's Word is truth. It is the standard. It is what we base our life on. It's what, it's what we live and submit ourselves under. So today's message is not our opinion on this. Uh, it's the Word of God. Because listen, my opinion doesn't really matter. Amen. What matters is what God has to say. That's the only truth that you can really live your life on and have the kind of life that God intends for you to have. So we got to look at this from a biblical perspective, from what God has to say, and base our life on what God has to say. So let's, let's dive right into this this morning by looking at some of the basics of sex according to Scripture. So we're going to look at the who, uh, the, the, the when, and the why, and the what of sex, all right? So the who. Who? Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 and 5, Jesus talking, explains the who of sex. It is male and female. He says this, haven't you read in the Bible that the Creator originally made, now notice this, it says man and woman for each other, male and female. says it again. This is Jesus talking. This is the Son of God. And because of this, a man leaves his father and mother and is firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh. Now remember that one flesh. We're going to see that a lot today, and that's a very important thing to remember becoming one flesh, no longer two bodies, but one. Because God created this organic union of two sexes. Notice he's talking about the man and the woman, the male and the female, the two sexes. No one should desecrate his art by cutting them Apart okay, so here's what the Bible tells us here's the standard for sex, according to what Scripture has to say, according to Jesus, red letters right here. It, it is male and female. It is not male and male, it is not female and female. it is not person and and animal. it is not adult and child. It is male and female. That's what the Bible says is the standard for how sex is supposed to be carried out, right? Uh, and actually, if you come back next week, we're going to talk more about this and explain this in an even greater way, all right? So that's the who of sex. Let's look at the when of sex. The when is after marriage. Look at this. Hebrews 13, verse 4 says this. Marriage is to be held in, in, in honor among all. Everybody say all. That is regarded as something of great Value. What I want you, to, what we want you to see today, is how valuable sex is to our life. What a great gift! What a blessing that this can be to our life. And the marriage bed. Who knows what happens in the marriage bed? Amen. Amen? Yeah. You guys, okay? We're talking about sex. Everybody, good. Get loose, okay? In the marriage bed. Look at this, undefiled by immorality or by sexual sin. When it talks about sexual sin here, it's talking about sex before marriage, outside marriage, or in addition to marriage. Okay. Should not be defiled by sex. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So when the win of sex is after marriage, it's after two people are joined together in, 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 in union and married uh, before God. That's, that's what marriage is. It's, it's not, sex is not before marriage. It's not outside of marriage. It's not in addition to marriage. Anything outside of that is considered sin by scripture. Now let's talk about the what of sex. Now, this is where it gets a little bit more interesting, because this is where there is a lot of confusion in the world when it comes to sex. Because when we think about the what of sex, sometimes we just think of sex as a physical act. And sex absolutely is a physical act, but it's more than that. Sex has, is a spiritual act, and it has spiritual consequences and emotional consequences attached to it. And this is a beautiful thing when it's it's inside of the marriage bed. When it's done God's way, it's created in such a way to bond a husband and a wife in a strong way together. But when it's done outside of marriage, it has consequences. When we don't do things God's way... It hurts you. It's considered sin, and sin does damage. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, so it hurts you. And so I don't know when you heard about sex. You know, maybe it was one of your parents sat you down one day and they talked to you about the birds and the bees, and they told you about your little parts and what they were for. And how you were to use them, and what goes where, and all that stuff, or maybe it was it was in school, maybe you were in fifth grade and and they separated the boys from the girls, and the boys went into a room and they talked about how everything works and and they give you a little stick of right guard at the end of it. anybody remember that or or maybe maybe you were the, the girls you go into a little room and they talk about you know what's up with sex for you, and at the end, you get a little always thing you know what I'm talking about. But, but, and, and so a lot of people have a big problem with, with the schools and education on sex. And I do too. And here's my problem with it. It's not that they're teaching sex. It's that they're not teaching it fully. It's that sex to the school system, sex to a lot of people, is just the physical act. They don't consider the far greater consequences and the things that happen with it. See, sex for, for a lot of people is, is kind of explained this way. This is a this and, and, the, and the, that is a that. And when you take a this and a that together, that's sex. And if you don't want to have those, you need to cover this with one of these so that those don't happen. <laughs> I hope you guys appreciate how well written that was right there. <laughs> but, but understand, sex is far more than that.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, this is so good. In 1 Corinthians six sixteen through 20, this is the message. It says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. So it's as much spiritual as it is physical. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. This is real important there is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others and sexual sin we violate the sacredness of our own bodies these bodies that were made for god-given and god-modeled love for becoming one with one another and that's where these school systems teaching this are missing it they're not telling them that our bodies are god-given and god-modeled for becoming one with one another Or don't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. So sex is not just this and that go together. Sex is as much spiritual as it is physical. Okay. All right. So we've talked about the who and the what and the when, and now we're going to talk about the why, why did God create sex? If you think about it, he could have come up with a lot of different ways to, to, uh, for us to experience this, but he created sex. Why did he create sex? The first reason is for oneness. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32 says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined and be faithfully devoted to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Everybody so God, say
0: one flesh.
1: One there less. it is again, yes. Yes, so he created sex, first and foremost, to create this amazing and intense oneness between a husband and wife, an exclusive oneness. It's not designed for you and your best girlfriend. It's not designed for you and your coworkers. It's a, it's a oneness that the only other way, the only other uh, realm that experiences is between Christ and the church. That's the kind of oneness that he wants us to experience in our marriages. I remember going to uh, Pastor David Terry's wedding. It's been three and a half years now, and at the rehearsal dinner, they had a big poster out that you could sign and and wish them, you know, good luck and we love you, things like that. And I remember seeing what his mom wrote. She wrote, one plus one equals one, and it stuck with me these three and a half years. In fact, if anybody ever gets married, I totally steal Sonia's stuff and Uh I write it on a card. One plus one equals one. But it's a perfect uh, equation to show us what happens when we get married. One person and another person, they come together and they become one person. It's mysterious. We don't know how it all happens, but it's two lives coming together and making one life. Now, when you see a couple who is happy, and they are best friends and they love doing life together and uh, they're going places together. They've got vision for their family and, and they're just happy. They're, they, they're in love. I can guarantee you that couple is having a lot of sex because sex brings that oneness. Now on the flip side... If there's a couple that fight all the time and, and uh, they're, they're, they don't spend time together, this guy's always out with his buddies playing golf and, and this girl's always hanging out with her girlfriends or whatever, I guarantee you that couple's not having a lot of sex. That oneness factor, this amazing gift that's between husband and wife, this exclusive oneness is not there because they're not engaging in sex. So God created sex to promote oneness in our marriages.
0: Yeah, it's a powerful gift he's given us. And so... Inside of the marriage, the way God ordained it to be, it's a powerful thing that brings us together. But when it's taken outside of marriage, it can do a lot of damage. Because the same thing that connects you together with someone that God created to connect you with someone when it's done in this way that sometimes the world wants to do it, it, draw, it creates all these connections that do damage to you and hurt you. Let, let me read it to you here. Uh, it's, I read this this week. It says, whenever a person is sexually involved with another person, this is talking about scientifically what takes place. But this is how God made it. Neurochemical changes occur in both their brains that encourage limbic emotional bonding. Okay, so God created it this way. He created it to draw people together, to create emotional bonding, to to bring us closer to each other. But here's the problem. Look at what it says. Yet that limbic bonding is the reason casual sex doesn't really work for most people on a whole mind and body level. See, a lot of people think that they can just, you know, have sex with whoever and just kind of do things the way the world says to do it, and that's okay. But what they don't realize is every time they have sex with someone, uh, they may be doing the physical act, but on a spiritual level, on an emotional level, There's a connection taking place that causes damage in that relationship. And and me and Sarah have counseled people. We've talked to people. Who, who have been dealing with this before. We've talked to people who have who've had sex with different people, and now they find themselves in a marriage relationship, and they love their spouse, but they find themselves still thinking about this other person, still drawn to this other person. And the reason they are is because they had sex with that other person, and they, put a, they formed a bond. They, they formed what's called a soul tie with that other person, where their souls are tied in such a way. And in order to fix that, they need to repent. They need to go before God and, and ask God to forgive them and to step away from that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that at the end. But you realize God designed sex as a way to promote a deep oneness between the husband and wife. But if done outside of God's uh, God's way, it, it causes a lot of damage.
1: I, I just got this word uh, in my head. Didn't have this when we taught this in first service, but schizophrenic. Maybe you're here today and you've been involved in multiple relationships. And instead of having this oneness, you're a bit schizophrenic. Like you're all over the place because you've, you've, you've and, and you, you've engaged in sex with different people and God wants to set you free from yeah. that today. Amen. Uh, number two, the second reason he created sex was for multiplication. This is pretty straightforward. Genesis 128, he says, be fruitful and multiply. When man and woman come together, they have children. Psalm 127, four through five. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy, like a warrior's fistful of arrows, are the children of a vigorous youth. So sex, is intended for, oh, as a way for us to leave a legacy here on this earth, to have children and to raise those children knowing that they were created on purpose for a purpose. It's one of the most amazing things about sex is that we get to have children. Three is for pleasure. Yes, God created sex for pleasure. A lot of people think of God as real stuffy and He doesn't want us to have fun. But I want you to think about uh, the way that He created our bodies. He know He knew exactly what He was doing, and we when He ordained sex, He knew that there would be pleasure involved. He could have simply said touch your shoulder and you'll, you'll be one and touch your shoulder and she'll get pregnant or whatever. But he created the act of sex. And it's a very pleasurable thing that he intended to be pleasurable. Yes. Uh, Song of Solomon. We're going to talk a little bit about this later, but uh, in, in the Hebrew culture, boys weren't allowed to read Song of Solomon until they were 12 years old, because there's so much in it about sex And pleasure. So he created it for oneness. He created it so that we could be, uh, so it could multiply and leave a legacy, and so that we would experience pleasure.
0: Okay, so that leads us to kind of a big overarching question that we're going to answer by asking some more questions and answering some more questions this morning. So we're hoping to answer all the sex questions this morning for you and hopefully help you to have a better understanding of how this works, all right? So here's the big question. How can we have a mutually satisfying sex life, all right? How can we have the kind of sex life that God wants you to have, that the Bible talks about, that Song of Solomon talks about? How can we have that? The first thing you need to do is adjust your attitude. Adjust your, notice not adjust someone else's attitude, adjust your attitude, all right? Yes,
1: yeah, so we're going to talk about what that attitude looks like. But first, it is a very common misconception that to have really good, really steamy, like in the car with the hand running down the window, like. Like uh, Rose and Jack on Titanic, the things that we see in movies, right? In order to have that kind of sex, that, that it counts on two people having really high sex drives, coming together at the right time. So
0: matching libidos, matching libidos, yeah. that they're
1: both just ready to go when they come together, and this passion happens. Well, how many know the chances of that happen, happening are very, very rare? Because this is a true study. It shows that, that women's sex drives are highest late at night, and men's sex drives are highest in the morning. Yes, and and there's then, an actual
0: time. Yes, yes, there's an actual time. So men, get out your phones and set know, an alarm.
1: I don't know how they figured this, this out, but apparently women are most ready at 1121 p.m.
0: 1121 men, put it in your, in your phone. Don't miss it. that window.
1: It goes fast. 1121 p.m. <laughs> And men at 745 AM, which when I read this, I was laughing out loud because he gets home from the gym every morning at seven forty five AM and he's ready at seven forty five AM. And in that moment, that my my libido is not there at seven forty five AM. I'm thinking about lunches and I'm thinking about getting the kids off to school and but I'm coming back
0: from the gym. I've been lifting, I'm testosterone's rocking, I'm kinda swollen muscularly. Yeah. I said that joke. (laughs) I said that joke the wrong way in the first service. It was interesting. Yes. Um, Yeah, you're getting it. Some of you.
1: (laughs) So I say all that to say we can't depend on matching sex drives for satisfying sex. Here's what we have to do. We have to, uh, uh, to look at our attitudes. The key to having that steamy, passionate, really great sex is to make sure that we have the right attitude. And of course, God, in his infinite wisdom, wanting us to experience pleasure and have a satisfying sex life, he tells us exactly the kind of attitude that we have to take on. It's in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 through 6. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife. Not seeking to satisfy himself, but seeking to satisfy his wife. And the wife seeking to satisfy her husband, not herself. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. So it's all about the attitude of serving.
0: So we adjust our attitude and here's the attitude that you need to have. It's my pleasure to give you pleasure. That's the heart that we need to have. Uh, as a spouse, that our, our heart is to serve the other person with this gift of sex, this amazing gift to give to them and to serve them with this gift and not just to be about ourselves.
1: Yes. Uh, when Josh and I first got married, uh, we were super young and we were both virgins. I was 18, he was 23, and you would think that an 18-year-old and a 23-year-old in the best shape of their lives, no children, not a lot of responsibility, that we would be having the best sex anywhere ever, but that wasn't the case and it was because our attitudes were wrong. We weren't about serving the other person. I was very much about like, how do I make this feel good for me? And he was the same way. How do I make this feel good for him? Which is easy for him, but not as easy for the, for the woman, right? True. <laughs> so I was focused on me, 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 me. How can this feel good for me? And then about six months into the marriage, I kind of settled into the fact that sex is just not that great. Like, that's okay. It was all hyped up when I was a kid, and don't do this, don't do this, and it's gonna be so awesome, but don't do it. And then we get married, and just kind of like, okay, take it or leave it, it's fine. But I continued to continued to participate in sex because I knew it was important for him. I knew it was a need of his. Sometimes I'd pretend and get into it, and other times I was super indifferent, and I'm sure yeah, was it was really com- great was really for, his, for his confidence. Um, but... Something Take began it or to leave shift it. whatever
0: <laughs> get in here, you old lug
1: uh, well, what, what the thing, the thing was we were two selfish people right. trying to make oneness work, and oneness between two selfish people just doesn 't work. Right. we didn 't have the right attitude, and about two years into our marriage, lots of things came out. Uh, secrets were revealed, hearts were broken and God showed up and he began to do something amazing in our, in, in our marriage. It was a miracle. And one of the things that began to change drastically was our sex life. He began to show us that it wasn't about us, but it was about, each other and fulfilling that person's needs, meeting that person's needs. It was our pleasure to give each other pleasure and things begin to shift. Yeah. And I do want to let you know, because you may be in that place today. You may have settled into the fact that maybe sex just isn't that great and you, you'll do it and you'll participate in it, but it's not enjoyable for you. And you're going to go home and you're going to start to change things. You're going to have a new attitude and you, things may not get amazing overnight, but I'm telling you, they will get better and better and better as you continue to walk this out for us now. Sex is amazing. You'd think every year that it couldn't get better, but it does. And you're like, this is awesome. I didn't think it could get better, but it continues to get better. So don't be discouraged if you go home and things don't shift right away. If you're experiencing experiencing frustration, just keep walking this out. Keep serving in the needs of your spouse and things will shift. God will begin to do what he did in our marriage for you.
0: And what's interesting is we we weren't just trying to improve our sex life. We were just trying to follow God's heart. And as we pursued God. God began to change our heart. And we, we, we started to have a heart like God, which is to serve other people. And that started to improve our sex life. We didn't read a, you know, a book or something that changed all that. It was us seeing God's heart for our marriage that began to change the way we, we, uh, we, we participated in that. So yeah. So uh, good sex is focused on the other person. So uh, let me ask you this, husbands, if you're in here today and and you find that your wife doesn't want to have sex with you, my question to you is, are you making it worth her while? Like, I, I think as men, we should take that as a challenge. If she, you know, doesn't want to have sex with us, we should look at that as like, okay, what can I do? How can I improve? In order to do that, listen, you're going to have to communicate. You're going to have to talk. You're going to have to start asking questions. What do you like? What do you not like? What, what, what do you, and, and just communicate and start finding this stuff out because this is an important gift that God's given you and it's worth Talking about. Acts 20, verse 35 says this There is more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. Let's just be real, guys. We're going to get there, right? It's a lot easier for us. So let's take the focus off of us and let's put it on them, all right? All right, so first of all, we adjust our attitude. The second thing that we do is we validate each other's needs. We validate each other's needs. Now, Men and women, as far as needs go, are very different all right For men, uh, sex is the number two need. The number one need of a man is honor uh, honor is a huge deal for men, uh, and number two is is sex women, I think sex is number seven, and I believe gardening comes before it that so is- it 's completely different yeah. completely different deal there but But hear me when I say this: the number one need for for women is security and so listen when I say this guys your how important sex is for you security is even more important for your wife and let me just give you one thing that will speak security into your wife more than anything else here it is follow after god pursue god go after god with all your heart Purpose to be the spiritual leader of your home, purpose to get in the word of God, purpose to lead your family, that will build so much security in your yeah. wife when you're following after the heart of God. Yeah,
1: I think sometimes we think of security and we think of like, okay, concealed carry license, that will make her feel secure and big muscles and a big paycheck. Really, none of that matters. It's you lifting your hands in worship and you reading your Bible and, and your spouse, you come to her and saying, hey, here's what God's speaking to me, that kind of stuff, builds a deep security in your wife. Everything will funnel from that. Um, so we got to understand that needs are different. And and when we understand that, we have to realize that we got to validate these needs. We got to not frown upon the needs of our spouse, not pretend that they're not important, but we have to validate them. If your husband coming to you and, and, and he's wanting to have sex and you're acting like you're annoyed by that, one, it really is going to hurt their pride, which the whole thing about honor they want to feel honored when you are constantly saying no i don't want to you're rejecting them it help it doesn't make them feel honored and you're not validating their need think about this this is this is the same same principle we've got 3 kids they are 9, 6, and 3, and you guys that have kids know that kids are so needy, right? They just, they need a lot from you, and our kids are no different. They need food. They need water. They need shelter. They need fidget spinners. They need a lot of things, and this morning, when they come to me, and they're hungry, Mommy, we're hungry. We need breakfast. They can't reach the cereal. I don't trust them to pour the milk, and so they come to me, and, and I know that God put me in their life to to meet that need, that they're not old enough yet to get their own food. So I get to meet their need. I get to give them breakfast. I know I understand that that need is a legitimate need, that God put that need in them, that he'd created their body to run off food, that they need energy. So it's no problem for me to meet that need. Yeah. Same with our husbands. God gave them the need for sex. It's a God given need. So when they come to us or, or, or they're wanting to have sex, you got to realize that God gave you the gift of sex. He gave them the need. He gave you the gift. It's really a beautiful thing and shouldn't be burdensome at all. We've got to validate the need. Let them know that we we know that it's vital to their makeup, to their existence. and, And it keeps them coming back to you. That's the way God designed it. So don't frown upon your spouse's need, but validate it.
0: Now, men, we all love that, right? That's awesome. But on the flip side of that is their need for security, and, and while they need to validate our needs, we need to be validating their needs. Uh, if your wife's need is security, you need to validate that need. You need to speak to that need in her life. Um, one of the ways you can do that is by helping her. She needs help. Um, communicate with her, talk to her, tell her what's going on in your life. You're not validating her needs when you come home every day and you just plop down on the couch and you don't talk to anybody and you just watch Sports Center all night. That's not, that's not helping. And, and I would guess that if we were to go around this room today and ask some guys some questions and say, hey, what's the number one reason excuse that you hear for why your wife doesn't want to have sex with you, I would imagine that a lot of you would agree that it's probably because she's tired, right? You don't have to say amen to that, but that's something that that comes up a lot. Uh, and, and here's the thing, it's a, that's a legitimate problem because women are working hard. This gal right here is up every day at 5.30 a.m. She has her quiet time, she works out and then the kids are up by seven and it is blazing from that moment on. She's busy, she's got a lot going on, she's doing stuff for the church, she's taking care of the kids. She's got a busy day and she's going till 8.30. And so I'm not helping her if I just come home after work and I just, you know, it's her job to now serve me and then I expect her to serve me with sex after she's totally exhausted for the day. So what do I do? I I literally, on my way home from work every day at five o'clock, as I'm driving home, I begin to pray and I ask God to help me to now, and I I picture this, I visualize myself clocking out of my job as the pastor of New Song and clocking in to the more important role that God has given me, which is to, to be her husband and to be the father of my children. And so I walk into my house and I am fulfilling now the role that God has called me to do. The only thing I get to take with me to heaven is my family. And that's an important role that I need to fulfill. And so when I come in, I'm there to serve her. I'm there to serve my kids. And I'm not just there to, to let them serve me. And I'm not saying this to make myself look better than you. I'm just telling you some of the stuff I do. In our home, I do 90% of the laundry in my home. That means I don't just put it in the machine and push start. That means I wash it, I put it in the dryer, I fold it, and I put it away. I, I do all I do that for my family because she's working hard. I'm helping her out there. She cooks dinner. I help put dinner away. I help clean it up. I do bath time with the kids. I make the bed. I hate making the bed. Yeah. <laughs> really, I do. I could care less if it ever got made but it's something that she values. And so hear me when I'm doing all this stuff, I just want you to know in my mind, I'm thinking, this is all foreplay right now. We are just setting this up, putting laundry away. Look at how well that's folded. Boom. Now,
1: Let me say this. (laughs) I, I, I feel like, um, there's some ladies in here that maybe your husbands have tried to help, but they don't meet your standard. You make it too hard for them. And so then they don't help let me just, he doesn't make the bed the way I would make it at all. And, and it's not, it's not tight and the pillows aren't right. And he doesn't always fold the clothes the right way. And he doesn't give baths the way that I would give baths, but I don't harp on him. He's trying to help. So I let him help. And I just lower my standards around the house. (laughs) The, The towels aren't perfectly lined up that's okay. He's helping. I see his heart and it is unbelievably, it is unbelievably sexy to me when he does these things. So. Okay.
0: So awesome. That's news to me. All right. So we're saying all this to say this men, if you want to have good sex, be a good husband. Yes.
1: Amen. Amen. Ladies. Amen. If
0: you do that, I'm telling you, you make it easier for her. You, you lighten that load for her. It's going to be so much better. Okay. Yes.
1: All right, so we know that we got to validate the needs of our spouse. So I want to encourage you real quick. One of the best ways you can do that, husbands, wives, is to um, meet their need before they have to ask for it, okay? It's not fun for a wife to have to ask if she looks pretty. It's not fun for her to have to ask always, can you help with this? Can you help with this? It's not fun for them to say, can you please have sex with me? Can you please have sex with me? It's not, it's not fun. That's not validating your needs. So know their needs, anticipate their needs, and try to meet their needs without having to be asked, Okay?
0: Yes. Okay. So, and, and oh, wait. just yes. say yes, yes. Right.
1: Oh, you gave it away. Okay. So <laughs> in the 1980s, Nancy Reagan had a campaign for the war on drugs. It was just say, just say no. Right. Well, I would love to start a campaign at new song for the, uh, on the war for the wait,
0: the war for marriage for
1: the war for marriage. Cause we are four strong and healthy marriages. And that campaign is just say Yes.
0: Everybody say, yes. One, two, three. Yes. Okay, so men, here's what this looks like. When your wife uh, comes to you and she wants to connect with you in conversation, you are going to say, yes. Okay, when your wife comes to you and and she wants you to pray with her, you are going to say, yes. When your wife wants to cuddle with you, you're going to say, yes. There is such a thing as non-sexual affection. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's a real thing. It can actually happen. That's where you're just cuddling and it doesn't lead to to sex. It can happen. You need to let that happen every once in a while, okay? But we're going to just say yes. yes. And here's
1: the thing. You're not always going to feel like meeting your spouse's needs, but what we have to understand is marriage has nothing to do with feelings. It really doesn't. It's all about our heart and our attitude to serve the other person, even when we don't feel like it. We got to move beyond our feelings and do what God's word says to do, which is serve each other in the bedroom and out of the bedroom.
0: Yes. Amen. All right. So adjust your attitude validate each other's needs. And here's the third one. Don't settle for vanilla. Oh, yes. We are going to go there now. All right. So we talked about earlier how sex is designed for pleasure, right? And we talked a little about Songs of Solomon, and I find it interesting. I went to Christian school growing up, and I remember in fifth grade, one of my friends came in one day, and he was like, dude, look at this. And we were, the rest of the day at school, between our little breaks, we were looking at the book of Songs of Solomon and giggling about some of the things we read. And and I want to read you a little bit of some of the stuff in Songs of Solomon, and and the reason I want to do that is because I want you to see the the kind of, this is in the Bible, and this is the kind of of love that, that the Bible talks about here. This is very interesting, all right? So, Songs of Solomon, if you want to read this for yourself, chapter 7, uh, it talks about this. Your graceful legs are like jewels. The hands of an artist must have shaped them. So, apparently, Solomon was a leg guy. <laughs> Your, this is awesome. Your navel is like a round bowl. <laughs> that always... I told him
1: if he ever told me my navel was like a round bowl, I would slap <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, the, your navel is like a round bowl that always has mixed wine in it. So apparently these guys are bringing some food into the bedroom. This is awesome. Your statue is as elegant as a date palm tree, and your breasts are sweet, attractive, <laughs> and round like clusters of its fruit. I say, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of the fruit. Men, there's a line. Just walk in someday, hun. I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of the fruit.
1: And then here's the women's. She comes in in that next couple of verses. I am my lovers, and he claims me as his own. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards and, Notice see, how if different they, this and is. see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. So he, you can tell there's foreplay going on in here. She's about the romance, about the flowers, about the adventure, but you can see these two He's about the clusters
0: fun. of grapes. yes. <laughs> So what you see here is that these are people that this is not like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am here. This is some heat between the sheets. People that are passionately engaging as a married couple in in love with each other, and it's 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 all night into the next day kind of stuff. And, and so I think sometimes as as Christians we kind of think that sex has to be vanilla that that it's you know how can you be married to the same person and continue to get to be good and continue to be exciting? And which t- I, after 14 years of marriage, I and it continuing to get better all the time. I don't know how you can just engage with sex with just one person every once in a while and that be an, be, be something of, of value to you. In fact, statistics tell us that married couples who've been married for the 10 years or so have the most satisfying sex life. So it's, it's, it's there. And, and, and here's the thing. We want you to understand this and see this because here's what we desire as a church. We want this for you. As married couples in the church, we want the, the couples of our church that are married to be having the best sex in the state of Oklahoma. Amen?
1: Somebody after the last service said we should do a... Billboard that says "New Song Church" where the couples have the best sex in the (laughs) world.
0: Yeah, that could be a little misleading. But in (laughs) order to do that, we have to we have to change our mindset a little bit. So so let us answer some real questions now. Okay, talk about some real stuff to just kind of help. So here's one that
1: came in from the U.S. for cards. How often should husband and wife have sex? And this goes back to understanding each other's needs. You need to have a conversation. How often would you like to have sex, wife? How often would you like to have sex, husband? You need to... two
0: days a week, <laughs> I love you.
1: So you need Eight to... Days. Stop. Okay. You need to... Uh, you need to have conversations about this because you need to make sure that your expectations are lining up with each other's. Uh, if one person is, is good with once a month, I'm good, and the other person's wanting once a week, then you're going to run into some frustration. And let me just say this. I'm not here to give you a magic number, but I do want you to know that once a month is not enough. And that, uh, studies show that healthy sex life, people are engaging in sex a couple of times a week, at least a couple of times a week. So maybe that's a goal for you to shoot for. Um, we have some friends in our lives they are in their mid sixties. They are in love and they were telling us that they still have sex at least once a week. Cause we've asked, you know, as you get older, what does this look like? And they're like, well, we still have sex once a week and it's, still good and exciting and adventurous. So I'm just letting you know if the people in their mid 60s are getting it on once a week, y'all should be getting it on once a week too. Oh, getting okay? it
0: on. There you go. <laughs> uh, there, and, and ladies, let me just say this. There was a statistic done a few years ago that was a very scientific statistic, a study that was done that, that discovered that actually men like to have sex the most on days that start with T. So Tuesdays, Thursdays, today, tomorrow, Tatterday, and Sunday. all right? <laughs> very scientific study that was done. But let me encourage you, if you find yourself in your relationship, in your, in your married life, and you find yourself more often than not, not having sex as often as you'd like to, I want to encourage you to, to have a plan and to put this on the calendar. Now you say, well, wait, if we, have a, if we put it on the calendar, like, doesn't that take all the spontaneity out of it? Well, well, who said? Now the Bible is really clear that anything that's worth doing is worth having a plan for. We plan our giving uh, we plan our, our rest and our Sabbath. Um, I promise you, if you work in, and you have a job, that you have a schedule and you have a plan for how you're gonna do things throughout the week. You, you should have a plan for how you're engaging with your wife in, in, in your marriage. You should have a plan for how you're engaging with your kids. And the same is true for sex. It's, it, because here's the thing, in the world that we live in today, the fast-paced world that we live in today, if we don't make time, find time for this. We're not going to have time because we're busy all of the time. So I want to encourage you. It doesn't mean that you can't be spontaneous, yeah. but but put, but have some, some specific days in there so yeah. you can be ready and prepared. I'll say this. Those, sure those
1: days that you plan for it, it actually ends up being from our experience some of the better sex because you have all day to get your mind in the right place and uh you can prepare and and if you need to take a nap you can take a nap if you whatever you need to do you can send text messages throughout the day to let them know that you're excited and you're thinking about it and as long as you send them to the right number okay that's important double check those numbers
0: the cloud is real (laughs) y'all
1: So so don't think that it can't be super fun and and exciting and romantic if it's been planned.
0: All right, so here's the next really real question. Uh, Is it sinful for married couples to have oral sex or to use sex toys? Told you we were getting real. (laughs) The answer is no, it's not not sinful. The Bible has nothing to say about those things being wrong. Now here's, here's some things to consider with anything that's happening within, within the bedroom, some stuff to consider. Is it consensual? Are you in agreement on it as a couple? Uh, is it safe? It shouldn't be hurting someone. It shouldn't be something that one person likes and the other person hates. Um, and is it enhancing the relationship? The Bible talks about it this way: Is it there's things that are prohibited that aren't always beneficial. So is it prohibited in Scripture? Is it something that the Bible says you should not do? Then you should not do it. But is it beneficial? Is the other question: Is it is it enhancing the marriage? And here's another question to ask yourself: uh, Does it involve anyone else? Now that leads us to our next question, which is: Is it sinful for married couples to watch pornography together? And here's the answer: Yes, it is sinful. And listen, it is sinful for anyone to watch pornography. It is a sin. Jesus was very clear on this. Matthew 5, 28, Jesus said this talking about this very issue. He said, but I say say anyone who even looks, everybody say looks. Anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus speaks to the heart issue. And that if you're just even looking, then you're, then that's wrong. And, and I don't want to hear the excuse that, well, we, you know, we watch it just to kind of learn new moves or whatever. Don't give me that. Listen, it doesn't work that way. Guys, I know how your brain works. You cannot look at that stuff without it getting into your brain. And here's the other thing. The Bible says that the marriage bed is for the husband and the wife only. We don't bring anyone else into the marriage bed, not even a digital or video version of somebody else. Amen. 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 It's designed for husband and wife. All right.
1: Now, let me read this real quick. I read this this weekend. I, there couldn't be a more true statement. God made the marriage relationship a safe place for a husband and wife to explore, to experiment, to laugh, because sometimes when you experiment, it doesn't go right. And you're just going to have to laugh at yourselves and then to get lost in sensational sex. This is the kind of sex that God wants us having sensational sex where we are actually lost in the moment we are all we're thinking about as we're experiencing intense oneness between husband and wife we're not thinking about work or stress or our kids or our to-do list but we are just lost in this beautiful gift that god has given us so that's what we encourage you to do guys explore experiment laugh and get lost in sensational sex god says go for it
0: all right here's another question is it biblical to seek medical help for sexual issues Uh, Yes, it is biblical to do that. And again, it comes back to the heart of the issue. If if, If I see sex as a gift that I give to my spouse, how can I give that to them if my body's not cooperating properly? And, and for some of you, there may be issues. There may be hormonal issues happening inside of your body or testosterone issues that are keeping you from being able to engage in sex properly. And it is okay for you to come together to talk about these issues and then to go seek help to help you to continue to be able to give this gift to each other in sex. Uh, there's also issues that can happen emotionally. There's things that maybe have happened in your past. Maybe you have been sexually abused at some point in your life. Maybe as a child, maybe as a teenager, something happened and that causes you to have a hard time connecting in sex. Uh, Maybe you had somebody that cheated on you. Maybe a spouse cheated on you in the past. Maybe a spouse you caught them looking at pornography and it's driven a wedge in between you. Maybe a past spouse cheated on you and you keep finding yourself bringing that and, and struggling with this. Listen, if that's happened, I want to encourage you to go seek some counsel and get some help because how can you give this gift to your spouse and have the oneness God's called you to have if there's something that's keeping you from that? And the enemy will use stuff like that to keep you from being able to engage and have the oneness that God's designed you to have. And listen to me, and I, I mean this, I understand stuff happens, I understand abuses happen, but hear me, if, if things like that have happened to you and you choose to not try to work on those things and get those things fixed so that you can engage in this with your spouse spouse, you're being selfish. I know that's hard to hear, but it really is true. You have to continue to pursue what God says, this gift that I'm going to give to them. I can't give that to them if I'm not willing to work on it. So we have to continue to follow after God when it comes to this stuff. All right. So let's recap real quick. How can we have a mutually satisfying sex life life God wants us to have? Number one, we adjust our attitude, take our attitude off of just ourselves. We focus on the other person. We validate each other's needs and we don't settle for vanilla. We're adventurous. We, we communicate, we talk and we make this as good as it can possibly be.
1: We'll close with this last Sunday at New Song. We took communion together. We do this once a month as a church body. And when we do that, we are reenacting the cross. We take the bread and we crush it between our teeth. We take the juice, which represents the blood. And in that act, we are reenacting the greatest act of love in human history and we are reminding ourselves of the covenant the very real blood covenant that God made with us through Jesus that now we can boldly approach the throne that now we have relationship with God a very real personal intimate relationship with our father because of what happened at the cross so communion is a sign of the covenant marriage and sex sex is The sign of the covenant that we made with our spouse. Well, what covenant am I talking about? I'm talking about the covenant that you made with your spouse at the altar. Now, if you're like me, then you remember a lot about your wedding, your dress, what your flowers looked like, how you wore your hair, what song you walked into, what song you walked out to. But it's hard to remember what you said in that moment. It's hard to be fully present in that moment. At least it was for me. All these people are looking at us, and I'm looking at him and just thinking, oh, he looks so cute and handsome in his tux, and not really thinking about what I'm saying. And so I found myself this week as I'm studying this going back and thinking about what did I say in that moment. And we want to read to you guys this morning just some standard Christian wedding vows. And maybe you weren't married in a a Christian uh, ceremony or you haven't been married yet. I want you to know that when you have sex, that what you're doing is you are recommitting to these vows over and over again. Just like communion is a reenactment of the covenant of the cross, sex is a reenactment of the covenant you made at the altar. It's a very powerful, very spiritual thing that happens when you do this. Yeah,
0: it's not physical, it's spiritual and it's sacred. So here are those vows. I, Josh, in faith, honesty, and love, take you, Sarah, to be my wedded wife to share with you God's plan for our lives together, united in Christ. And with God's help to strengthen and guide me, I will be a strong spiritual leader for us in our life, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, in joys and in sorrows, until death do we part. I give you all that I have, myself and my love. All these things I pledge to thee. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, with this ring I seal my vow of love to you, Sarah. And I pray that I may fulfill God's place in our home in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And ask you a question. I know it's a little different message this morning, but I ask you a question that we ask every week here at New Song Church, and that is this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? And it could be a number of things. You know, as we... We looked at this this week and thought about some of the things God may be speaking to you. Maybe you're here today and, and what God's speaking to you is to recommit your marriage and recommit yourself sexually to your spouse and to look at it and view it from a different way and see it as a way to serve the other person and not just something that's just about you. To, to participate in it more frequently and, and, and come together in this oneness that God has ordained in a greater way. Uh, maybe you're here today and and you're not married and or maybe you you have had you are married but you've had some sexual encounters outside of your marriage and you find yourself in a place where you continue to keep being drawn back to those and you feel uh, what was what is it you said Sarah? Schizophrenic, You kind of feel pulled and torn in different directions and you want that to change. Well, here's what you can do today. You can, you can repent. You can go before God and say, God, I, I, I ask you to forgive me. I turn from those wicked ways. I turn from what I did there and I say that that was wrong. I call that what it is. It was sin. I ask you to forgive me. And, and here's the wonderful thing about Jesus Christ. The blood that was, that was shed at the cross of Jesus Christ is a powerful thing. It has the power to erase and eradicate any sin. And it can break those bonds. It can break those soul ties that have been connected to other people and can help you to have the right kind of soul tie that God wants you to have to the person he's called you to. Uh, so whatever you're, wherever you may be today, we'd love to pray for you. In fact, I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If you're here today and you have a need of any kind, and let me just say this because I don't want you to feel like, well, if I come forward today, it's kind of me admitting that I have like sex issues or something like that. This time right now is is not about that. That may be what you're coming forward for, but this is really about any kind of need you may have. Maybe you're dealing with some stuff with your job or you're dealing with some physical issues in your body that you need healing for. Maybe uh, you're getting ready to go back to school, to college, or or, or high school or, and you just need, would love to pray and have somebody join their faith with yours. This is going to be the best school year ever. Maybe you're here today and you want to recommit your marriage and stand before somebody else and just say, we're committing our, our marriage to God. And, or maybe you want to come forward and and say, "I, I, I want to repent. I want to change my ways. And you don't have to get into all the details. We would just love to pray with you, to join our faith with yours and, and, and minister to you up here. So if that's you today here in just a moment, Uh, I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to go into a worship song. And if that's you at any time, you can come forward and pray. So, uh, in fact, if you would go ahead and stand up right now, let me pray over you. Lord, we thank you, uh, for this gift of sex, God, this amazing gift that you've given us. It's a gift that you've given us to help enhance our marriage relationships. It's a gift that you've given us that is designed for each other. And we thank you, Lord, that you would help us to use it and to minister to our spouses. You would use it to unify us. Uh, For those of us who are not there yet, that you'd help us to be able to walk in purity and walk in what it is you called us to walk in until the day that we come together. And Lord, if there's anyone in here that, that has a need, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to your altars right now. In Jesus' name, amen.